warm welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. I am delighted to be bringing you today's guests, two people who mean a great deal to me and have had a huge impact in my life. I'm joined today by Samuel Bonder and Linda Groves Bonder. They are the co-founders of the Human Sun Institute and have made it their life's work to bring an embodied awakening to a global audience. And their approach has taken enlightenment from the remote temples of the spiritual elites to the towns, households and workplaces of people around their world and their long-term marriage and teaching and coaching partnership is potent and models a relationship of awakened mutuality, which I think is important in our times. Samuel has devoted his adult life first to a 20-year spiritual quest and then to democratizing enlightenment by transmitting and teaching this work for more than three decades. His books include Waking Down, Healing the Spirit Matter Split, Great Relief, and the white hot yoga of the heart. And Linda Groves Bonder is a brilliant teacher in her own right. She is the co-founder and partner in the Human Sun Institute and a key creator of some of their offerings, including teaching such as six-step recognition yoga, active conscious dreaming, and conscious skillful will. Some time ago, I felt the call to find approaches to awakening that were life-affirming and did not denigrate our human experience on our emotional life. And I find that many popular approaches in the West actually have an ascending bias and so that's what I love about Samuel and Linda's work is that it, it honors everything that we are as a divine human being. So today we're going to explore some of the key topics in their approach. We will explore what Samuel and Linda called the spirit matter split, this bias towards transcendence and negating our human emotional life and the consequences of that and the approach that they take instead. We'll explore this essential idea of the core heart wound how we are human beings which are equal parts infinite and finite and the tension that that can bring and how we can be with that and the potency of being with that we'll talk about the tantric practice of green lighting whatever shows up which for me actually was key in the process of removing any kind of subtle compartmentalization of what's okay or not okay it can be very subtle this is spiritual, this is not spiritual, and so much energy gets caught up in doing that and gets released when that ceases. We'll talk about second birth awakening. What is that? How is it different or similar to the awakening in other traditions? And really importantly here, we're going to talk about post-awakening experience. What kinds of challenges and experiences occur once we've actually crossed a threshold of awakening. They call this the wake down, shakedown. We'll talk about transmission in their work. And Samuel and Linda are really brilliant guides in this post-awakening territory, having themselves guided hundreds of people through this second birth awakening. So I think this is a practice for our times. I really hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I have enjoyed being with Samuel and Linda. Let's dive in. Okay, I've been looking forward to this conversation. So I'm joined by you, Samuel and Linda. Uh, how are each of you doing, first of all? Uh, we're doing well, Joel. Mm. Thank you so much for having us on 
this wonderful event. And we're hoping to reach many people that you actually serve through Coaches Rising and all of that. So, yeah, thank you. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. It's we're the good. season and of lights. Season of lights. <laughs> so there, there's that going for it. And um, it's a good time in our lives and work. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get right into your work as well. And I, as you just named before we press record, I've had the privilege of of working with you as a as a client of yours over the last sort of 12, 18 months or something. So uh yeah, you know, I'm really excited to be able to share your, your the way you work with our audience because I think it's it's so rich and potent. So thank you. Yeah. And there's so many different places we could start, but maybe a good place is asking about joy, which is actually a topic which has become more and more important for me recently as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like, you know, in the times we're in, especially there's a lot maybe not to be joyful about all the different mm-hmm. crises we face and, yeah. you know, what we hear on the news and stuff and what we might be seeing in our daily lives, the pandemic, all this stuff. So, um, yeah, maybe you could talk about why are you pointing towards joy in these times and in your work and what do you mean by joy as well thank you yeah one of the reasons why we're really focusing now and have been all along the way but especially now maximizing joy seems to be really up front and center for us because of some of the reasons you just brought in Joel you know the world situation there's a lot of turmoil and war and uh, well, we all know what's happening, and there's a lot of good at also. And so, what we want to do is to help individuals kind of focus and and put attention on some of the amazing things that are actually happening in the world. But aside from that, also happening within themselves and their relationships and their own spiritual process, perhaps you know. And we just actually did an event on Saturday where we had a group of people on Zoom where we were talking about this exact same subject, joy, what is that? And we were stressing and pointing out to people, joy can show up in many different forms, as simple as you know, watching a sunset or sunrise or being with your child or petting your kitty or whatever it might be. These are little elements of joy that we want to help individuals remember that it's not minimal or insignificant. Yeah, thank you. It was beautifully said, my love. Um, I think what, what I would add to it is uh, we've had uh, two kind of guiding impulses uh, that have brought this front, front and center, this whole theme of joy. One is, as you were saying, Linda was saying, uh, what is the best way we can frame what we're offering to be of help for people in these times where depression rates, suicide rates are skyrocketing all over the world, um, climate change is weighing in on us, you know, the whole litany. Uh, so what what is what is a way to speak to people's need that we can help serve 
and also in particular around that, you know, viewing it kind of from the point of view of how do we bring our work out further? It just dawned on us. We kind of backed into it with the help of you know some of our, our friends who were working with us uh, and, and working on our work with us. Uh, we kind of backed into this theme of maximizing joy as something that could appeal to many more people. You know, you're well aware that uh, a main focus of our work has been helping people who are hungry for profound, quote-unquote, spiritual awakenings, whole being awakenings, mm -hmm. to go through that kind of transition and what happens afterward. And we, we love that work, but we've also always been moved, in Linda's beautiful phrase, to reach and touch the hungry or hurting hearts. And joy just seems to be a, a good touchstone for that. Uh, so that's part of the part of the movement here as well. Do you think that joy? Because I know you talked about there's you know connecting to the joy of looking at the sunset or <clears throat> being with an animal, whatever. There's so many different things that can bring joy. But are you also talking about a kind of joy that is connected to an awakening? And yeah, what what's that kind of joy there? Yeah, and you know, how, yeah, and I guess like the question is like, how do we begin to awaken into that joy? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, and absolutely, you know, we talk about the two kinds of joy, two mm -hmm. kinds of joy, and how to maximize those. So, do you want to explain a little bit? Yeah, about thank you. Uh, this is again very, very much front and center for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we realized uh, as we were getting into creating a, a course on this years ago, not so many years, but, you know, a, a bit back, that we, um, we could speak of two qualities of joy, one of which we could say is experiential and temporary. And, you know, like sunrise, sunset is beautiful, but then it goes down. Um, so those are the joys that come and go. And, we're, and they're happening to us, whether they're external or internal. Uh, so those are the changeable kinds of joy. But there is a quality of joy that is unshakable and existential. It's, it's intrinsic to our being. And in some ways, it could be said, and this has been said by spiritual uh, adepts, and why wise people over the generations, that when we have those moments of the temporary joy, what's happening on another level is that that deeper joy is being released. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 coming forward, as it were. Yes. So our work, yeah, focuses uh, on helping people. Uh, the, the the full title of that talk, which is on our, our homepage, people can access it there. The two kinds of joy and why it's totally okay for you to maximize both. Because a lot of the traditional spiritual approaches have tended to caution people, well, don't be attached, don't try to get too much of that experiential joy. You know, it's just coming and going anyway. Put all your attention on the, in our language, the unshakable, mm -hmm. you know, the existential joy. 
our orientation is why not maximize both? Mm-hmm. The experiential stuff really can't get in the way of your access to the existential mm. if you've got the right tools and resources. And that, of course, entails all the many aspects of our work. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought in the fact that that the uh, fleeting, if you will, mm-hmm. kinds of joy literally can lead into more of the existential stable joy that's just deeply rooted in our hearts and in our, our nature, our totality identity, as we like to say. And so we really, really are so passionate at helping individuals access that kind of joy along with the you know, the ones that come and go and remembering that they're not insignificant. You know, all of this we talk about very deeply in that course that Samuel mentioned on our website, samuelandlinda.com. And we have this course that not only has a group of people who engage with us around this theme, and we talk about it in each session, which is eight sessions, but we have interviews with some of the most amazing individuals in the world who are bringing in their perspectives, their spiritual teachings, you know, Ken Wilber, Rick Hansen, Mirabar Starr. I mean, there's eight of eight of these individuals who we've interviewed. And it's so rich. And each one of them, Joel, brings in such an amazing feel for this whole theme, you know, of of joy. And on top of that, many other things too, but it's just really wonderful. And we're so excited about offering this now. As you can probably tell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Well, let me, um, I think, because you teed up the uh, question about your approach to awakening, which I think is really important to tease out a little bit and mm-hmm. um what what i just want to name before we do i ask you about that is um how these practices of turning towards joy in our daily lives can actually um you know open us to this this deeper unshakable joy and how you know, I think, in, in, and maybe this is the question really about what makes your work different some, than some of the other approaches. A lot of approaches I've come across uh, are kind of more renunciate approaches, like you kind of alluded to. You know, it's like the world mm-hmm. is a place of, um, you know, a, a attachment and aversion. And, you know, um, actually, it's about transcending those attachments and aversions. And there's a kind of subtle sense of renouncing renouncing the world and creating a split of some kind and yes. i'm not sure that really landed for me like if it you know there's some powerful things in it but it but it like there's some there's some kind of tension inside of that so maybe you could speak to you know what what is this kind of like fundamental approach that you you t- how do you see what it mm-hmm. is to be human and to awaken really mm-hmm. yeah yeah thank the you possibility there yeah Thanks very much. So yeah. yeah, we'll try to kind of do this in sound bites and keep a dialogue going. Because uh, I mean, for one thing, you know me, I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the that series or cluster of questions is really uh, central to what we feel is so important to engage. And 
you know, you mentioned that that tension. We call what's at the root of it the spirit-matter split. Not merely about spirit and matter. You could use other phrases such as consciousness phenomena split or a split between the unconditional and manifestation. Um, and it's, it's pervasive in human consciousness, character, and culture, really. And what's, what's become possible in our time, Linda used that phrase totality identity, uh, in you know, the last hundred years or so, the merging of all of the cultures, now especially with you know, the whole advent of everyone living significantly online, uh, we're able to bring all of our human potential uh, and our truly divine potential into play, into realization, into embodiment. And uh, an early mentor of mine, uh, as I was really embarking on my own journey again after having spent years as a disciple and uh, so forth in a more, a more traditional context than ours, uh, my mentor said to me at one point, he said, you know, spirituality is not just evolutionary. It is itself evolving. And that was really a, a big green light to me to let my own process clarify itself as it would and find out what, how the next evolution might be taking place, at least as we, as one, you know, or a couple, but also a group of experimenters could take it. And one of the things that we've seen is that this intrinsic joy, it's almost as if it's locked up inside us waiting to be <clears throat> unleashed. And part of what we've seen about it is that there are dimensions of the heart that haven't previously been emphasized, uh, you know, even in the deep spiritual transformational uh, practices and approaches, many of which take into account the central chakras, but there's actually a place on the right side of the heart that's medically known as the source of the heartbeat, but also the, the great adepts who are primary to my realization, uh, pointed to as the ultimate seat of our consciousness, our being, our fully inclusive or divine, divinely human identity. And so a crucial aspect of our work is that those who become awakened in this way to this whole being orientation, and we talk about realizing the heart with a capital H, meaning that greater nature that we all share, that's actually animating all, all beings and all that exists. So coming into an intuitive feeling and knowing of that in a cellular way really <clears throat> winds up healing that spirit matter split that uh, I like to call it, a, it, it's almost as if even people trying to get into deeper embodiment still are working if they're strongly moved by those more traditional transcendental approaches, the renunciate perspectives. They start moving out of that. They're, they're embracing life again, but it's like they're negotiating an uneasy truce 
with material existence, with their ego, with their thinking mind, from the spirit side of that split. And I hope this is not too esoteric for, you know, your listeners. We're, again, as Linda mentioned earlier, we're really thrilled to be speaking to your august assemblage of human beings who are out there coaching others to the best of their ability. Yes. Because it seems like this is all something that is more and more spontaneously communicating itself between and among us. We talk about transmission as a, a primary aspect of it, but it's not something that those who are transmitting need to try to make happen. It just becomes our intrinsic presence. We naturally somehow give that same nature a green light in one another to come forward, to awaken, to self-reveal. So I'll stop there. Yeah, you may be thinking, okay, so that's all great. What's the process? (laughs) (laughs) We get that question a lot, right? (laughs) And I always like to say the way that we work with individuals, couples, and groups is it's not cookie cutter. You know, many, many traditions and and paths perhaps have very specific disciplines and practices, and that is wonderful and great. And there's a whole wide range of experiences and and practices that an individual can, can, can discover on their own and with help. And that's where we come in. We actually listen deeply, ask a lot of questions. As you know, you've worked with this quite a bit. And we pull the individual out so that their self-discovery and their mutual discovery with our help, they go, oh, wow, you know, I can do this. And that's not like this person, but this really sings to my heart. And so that's one way that we actually ignite, if you will, a deeper deeper exploration in the individual couples and groups. And of course, we have lots of books that Sanyal has written, and there's courses, a lot of courses that we have done with individuals and groups through the years, and, you know, music and song, music and song, that's a transmission in its own right, you know, there's a toning CD, Joy of Being, that I recorded few years back and it's very healing and igniting for some so yeah there's lots of different things that we help individuals access the joy but also the deeper place where that split as Samuel was saying heals well there's so many questions I could ask inside of what you both just shared there and I hopefully will be able to tease all of that out Um, what do you think is the consequence of that split that we articulated and that I think, um, you know, some, some traditions can kind of advocate for, you know, like renouncing the world, transcending into consciousness. Um, I'm thinking, you know, of like in my own journey, this kind of slight contradiction between renouncing myself or my emotions on the one hand, you know, and, as being something to kind of transcend. And then on the other hand, there's um, therefore the need to introduce some, something like a therapeutic paradigm so that the the healing work can be done. So it's like both those approaches are then kind of like 
put Frankenstein together a little bit to compensate for this slight there's a slight there's a slight contradiction in a way in like one saying you know renounce the emotion and the other one saying no you know um like embrace the emotion and and integrate so yeah what do you think are some of the consequences of this split and how do you therefore then yeah work differently than that thank you yeah you, you just pointed that go ahead um, it sounds seems like you wanted to jump right in. So. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's that's the the consequence is a fundamental confusion about our most primal nature, as well as the the, the relevance and purpose of this life that we're all just plunged into here together, and so there's a kind of a distrust of the materially oriented dimensions and the literal material body so that spirit matter split you know can be also a mind body split it, yes. it just ripples through in all kinds of ways yeah and it has it has made for i mean this is a strong word and i'm probably i could come up with a better one i would but something like a psychosis at the root of the human condition. And part of the problem that we've had is that so many people, most people, actually haven't been capable of renouncing and transcending and realizing that establishment in transcendental spirit, uh, the way the great saints and sages have done and have counseled us to do. And, you know, we say this kind of thing with great respect and appreciation for where we've all come from. So this is not an anarchic kind of approach, but it, it, it does begin from the inside out, so to speak, to heal that split and to drop us deeper into the paradoxes of being human. Because it's not like then you you reach some stage that you know happily ever after, and there are never any challenges or confusions. Uh, yeah, I mean through the years we've had people come into our work, um, waking down in mutuality, which is the the work that Samuel founded back in '92, and the individuals would come in some some of which have had a very very profound transcendental awakening. But then over time, what they were discovering is that they felt like something was still missing, right? And then they would say, you know, and what about relationships? And hence the word mutuality in the waking down, right? And a lot of these traditions really negate mutuality in some forms, you know, and even family um, connections. Some traditions might say, you know, your family is going to keep you locked in, you know, this mire of this earthly realm, perhaps. But we're the absolute opposite of that, where we really support people in relationships so much. And then also embodiment. How does any of what we say or what they read or what they connect with others 
resonate in the body itself. And so there's lots of practices we have that actually help people look and feel into the physical body and the energetics of that. So it's important to be able to say that that is one of the caveats that people can actually experience. And so when these people come into the work and they say, I, I, I want to embody, but I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what that means. Things start shifting and changing through connections, through relationships, through mutual expressions, and then, of course, the work that we do with people. Yeah, yeah. It it um, for me had has a very kind of tantric feel in in that sense. In that, you know, yeah. it's not about kind of uh, you know this pure, pristine, transcended place, but working with the the everyday aspects of life and um you know one of the things i really gained from our work was beginning to see all the ways that i'd kind of compartmentalized or let me say it this way like the ways that i would kind of label what was arising in my experience as being subtly wrong you know like um, it's not that's not spiritual Yes. And even though, you know, I consider myself to be quite a mature person in a sense and self-aware, and I kind of already knew that, I already knew that, you know, the real game is this game of kind of allowing what's here to be here without interfering. It was quite um, profound to to have it reflected back on this subtle level how I was, and, and to see how I was, you know, continually kind of, making my experience wrong this isn't spiritual that's spiritual this isn't spiritual yeah. and the unwinding of that and the energy that that takes yeah. um is a really powerful and relieving process so maybe you could comment on that but yeah i'm kind of getting into now something you said linda about following your own process and the rot and this and this journey into what you call the second birth as well so um yeah, so maybe you could just speak to what I said and 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 kind of articulate this this journey you often see taking place with people you work with. I'm really glad that you brought in your own experience, Joel. That's so powerful, and I think individuals seeing this this expression here that the three of us are doing together, I th I think by you speaking to that, some of them are going to go, oh my gosh. I really feel that, and I know what he's talking about because I feel like it, 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 the split, part of the split is, okay, spirituality is here, and your human nature is here, <clears throat> and they don't relate, but they do. They're completely part of the entire thing, right? And so thank you for speaking to how you felt like you were doing it wrong. We have experienced that with people through many years of doing this, and then of course we say no, you know, you have to find your way and finding your way in relationships is part of unraveling some of this conditioning that might've happened through other practices perhaps, or through maybe some broken zones, which is a phrase we use in the work, broken zones in relationship. Uh, people that you've had difficulties with, and then that sets up a place where you feel you're wrong and bad, all of these things. Yeah, well, you know, also, 
psychological language for that is often trauma. Yeah. And, you know, so there are all these different parts of us. And from our perspective, as simple as it may sound, what you described, where you started to notice that you're dividing the world into yeah. right and wrong, your world, your being, your your yeah. all the parts of you. So you've got some really bad parts and there's some really good parts and you want more of the good. And it goes back to so much of our conditioning, our previous training has assumed, well, we've got to, you know, uh, cordon off the bad parts and hopefully completely outgrow them so that we can fully inhabit the good. Rotting out of them, in other words, you use that word rot, you know, and so you, yeah. you rot out of those those um, chokeholds. I like to call them chokeholds sometimes because that's how it feels for some. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. So, so what happens in this process is, you know, as you experience, you start to get from us, well, maybe that carving the world into good and bad, right and wrong, is not actually necessary or helpful in the awakening process. And so there's a deeper trust that you can, you can let all the parts be. And as that's going on, there's a, a shift taking place where your, your sense of your identity is, is undergoing a, a, a fundamental, well, in, in some ways it's a, a death rebirth sequence without, however, uh, the ego having to die. Like, you know, in many traditions, ego death is, you know, the, the, the great goal, but talk about a weird thing to aspire to. You know? <laughs> Good, I'm looking forward to completely being obliterated. And in the approach that evolved uh, in our work, and by the way, continues to evolve, it's continuing to refine itself as we go. Yeah, there's a recognition that you know, the, the ego, the sense of the individual local me, and even feeling very separate, isn't fundamentally wrong. It's part of the apparatus. We need to be able to have our, in some important realistic ways, separate individuality to make our choices in life and continue to grow and participate and so on. Uh, similarly, the thinking mind, which is also uh, often demonized as something that can get in the way of and sabotage your awakening process. In our work, the discovery over more than three decades with now many hundreds of people, if not a thousand or more, having come into this stable, unshakable joy, this fundamental wellness of being, self-realization in a profound way that's also inclusive of the other. So there's a, a rotting out of the old worldview, ROT, and a falling into not merely happily ever after, but this quality of paradox mm -hmm. where we call it the, the core wound or the heart wound in some ways underneath the spirit matter split that has more, more been a, a, an evolutionary development.
of human society and culture, consciousness. Underneath that in all of us is the fundamental fact that we're both mortal, limited, and very much changing beings, and we can't fundamentally control you know, the whole process. We can't decide I'm never going to die, for instance. So there's that sense of mortality and limitation. And there's also a pressure in us of this greater nature that paradoxically, as it opens up more, reveals itself as a kind of pressurelessness. So there's the pressures of our ordinary living, and that greater joy is a kind of freedom. You use that word relief. And all of this is served by people in our position who, you know, are, we're essentially coaching uh, in a spirit of simple and essential peership. So we're not seeing you as, or anyone, as somehow an inferior being because they haven't gone through some awakening. We're seeing you as that greater nature coming into fuller and fuller incarnation, realizing that everything is holy. It's all godness somehow, which doesn't mean you don't want, there isn't a lot to change and fix in how humans relate and helping people grow and so on. Finding literally peace on earth, talk about elusive. So the discovery of the great unity, oneness, holiness, uh, is not merely a kind of spiritual bypassing sugar coating of you know, all the problems and challenges we have. Yeah, uh, you th this heart wound or core wound that you mentioned, um, I'd love to kind of unpack that a little bit more. So, so you're saying it's like a sense of our, you know, finiteness or maybe limitedness, and then this, pre you know, the pressures of that, and then also this impulse to awaken or our, our awakened nature and. Um, how how do you invite people to be to to kind of I guess like one important thing is pointing towards that because maybe maybe we all feel that but don't are not fully aware of it um, and how do you invite people to be be with that basically or what is there a practice or something or yeah yeah thank you the 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 whole process of how we work with people, going back to what Linda said, this is not a cookie-cutter process. Mm -hmm. We meet you, and fundamentally, your being provides the structure of our work. So we're encouraging you to, as a mentor encouraged me, dare to grasp the means of your own realization. Mm -hmm. and And to get in touch with that primal wound or pain or uh, one philosopher called it a, a, a god-shaped hole in the heart of every person um yeah you're gonna say more go ahead yeah it's there's it's kind of like two kinds of accessing this there's core issues that everybody has in their lives mm -hmm. and then there is the existential deep core wound or heart wound that is really more wrapping around all the core issues and wrapping around everything that you are here. And 
core issues examples would be, you know, you had a bad day or you, you know, tripped or something, or you, you have a relationship that's in, you know, turmoil. These are issues that are in your lives. But if you look deeply and you're still feeling, if you heal that issue and you're still feeling an underlying sense of something askew, something wrong, something missing, perhaps. Uh, for me, it actually showed up as a void in my belly with all the seeking kind of things I did through my life before I met Samuel and all the experiencing and reading and looking at videos or whatever it might have been. I, I felt like something was missing in my belly, you know, like a void is what I would call it. And that I came to find out once I started sitting with Samuel and he talked about the poor wound, I went, I just had an aha moment at one point and I went, that's the existential way that I'm embodying it and feeling it. Something that just is not right and not, you know, filled or healed in my to totality identity, my whole being. And so there's a big difference in that the core issues can feel like the core wound, but this is how we work with people to wrap around more understanding of is it more of a primal feeling, you know, or is it just linked to something that has happened? And, and go ahead. Well, just, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. like, uh, and then, because I can feel that, that feeling as you, as you point towards it, you know, on an existential level, that tension or paradox or and how, how, what happened, what's the way we can be with that feeling? Like, is there a, is there, is there an invitation to, to be in relationship with it? Very much so. And at the same time, we're not suggesting, so to speak, go looking for it. But rather to, uh, certainly if, if, if you, you're going to make use of the resources we offer, learn more about this. You, you, you mentioned that matter of simply pointing to it and many years ago i uh after having produced various teachings and go into the kind of esoteric technicalities of awakening and all that i was moved to write about the core wound we hadn't started at that time calling it the heart wound also those alternative names uh and i wrote a book very deliberately looking to make the language as simple as possible. And that became the book Great Relief. Uh, nine Sacred Secrets Your Body Wants You to Know. And you know, even the wording of the secrets can perhaps give you a feeling for how kind of primitive almost, primal essential this is. So secret number one, most everybody feels like something is wrong, missing or unclear at the core of life most of the time. Mm -hmm. Secret number two, it's really hard to be here, isn't it? Secret number three, it's never enough, is it? In other words, no matter what it you go after, you know, an ice cream cone, a love relationship, a career achievement, when you get there, there's this strange mm -hmm. phenomenon that a lot of people have happened. Yeah. Where, okay, so that's all there is to that? Yeah, I experienced that early on. 
you know, because when I met Samuel and he's talking about the poor wound, I I had everything in place. I had divorced my first husband, you know, maybe like a year or two years prior to meeting Samuel, actually longer than that. I had a great job, great relationships with my all my family and friends, you know, exploring relationships with others. And then I, of course, meet this amazing man <laughs> and I fall in love. But anyway, that's another whole story. <laughs> but with everything that was in place, I that void, I just kept feeling like, God, what is this? You know, something is just not full that I need to fill, and I don't know what that is. So I'm going to bring it. Yeah, thank you. And, and you know, the secret number eight, mm-hmm. define the core wound. Uh, mortal bodily limitations plus the feeling there must be more than this yeah. is the core mm-hmm. wound. Because not everybody is presently or potentially may ever in this lifetime be oriented toward what we call this second birth awakening, this unshakable whole being joy. And and, and that's okay. But most everybody, even people who say my life is totally fine, there is the subtle tension of trying to keep it all together that way and knowing that you can't. Sooner or later, we're all going to lose our lose our tenure here. I wanted to say about great relief. It's so funny because a lot of people who have experienced the book, and there's pra- lots of practices in each chapter. You can actually do a practice that will help you land in the understanding of that particular practice or chapter. But people would read the chapter titles and they go, well, this book sounds like a big bummer. You know, why would I want to go here? No. But the, it, it's, <laughs> it's difficult because there's reality in what Samuel wrote about and what people really do experience. And they're confused about it and they don't have answers. And the book literally guides you to the end where... The understanding of what we teach around the core wound, this existential, you know, split or or intuition that you're more than this, but you don't know what that is. The healing or or really realizing the core wound or the heart wound brings in that understanding, which is paradoxical, and we talk a lot about simultaneity. You know, you know this word we worked with you a lot around that and that's a paradox because how can an individual be feeling one way and yet under around and all in those feelings there's a just a deeper knowing and and calm or peace so or freedom yeah one of the ways that the teaching evolved is that initially and you can see this in my earlier books, The White Hot Yoga Heart and Waking Down. I was still talking about healing the core mm-hmm. uh, And more and more, as my own process deepened, and I had already gone through the basic awakening and was continuing to grow and refine, as my own process deepened, and also in conversation with Linda and others who had awakened, it became evident that there's a great both and here. That it's not about healing this core condition, that this kind of primal distress, 
so much as becoming conscious, conscious of it, conscious in it, and eventually more and more conscious somehow as that, that this is the nature of identity. And one of the great mysteries of this, as people are finding their way with all this, and as you know, there's so much room in this work, we're so much encouraging you to find your way rather than us telling you. We never say, this is what you must do, but you might try this. What happens is, and again, to go back to the simple kind of primal language of it, people, as they're growing, they will have become, started to become aware of that core wound as the primal pain or distress or something missing. Uh, and, and then they'll say things after a while. They'll say, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak bluntly here. I hope it's okay. The way people really think often is not worse. So they say things like, you know, I still feel like shit somehow. You know, in this really fundamental way, I can't shake. But there's an okayness too. And I can't figure it out because it's not like I'm going from feeling terrible to the okayness. It's like they're indistinguishable. I don't know. You know, simultaneity. And, simultaneity. <laughs> and, you know, people aren't using words like indistinguishable and simultaneity. It's much more primal. Yeah, they can go into that language, but that's kind of an abstract interpretation of something that's very fundamental. Yeah, beautiful. And so, so more and more, then, well, just to finish that up, what we've realized is that and what is realized that reveals itself as unshakable joy is also at the same time this what we call wound wellness paradox. And to get used to that being the way it is here, that there's not some ultimate bliss at the mountaintop, pure and free of everything, but rather there is an unshakable wellness of being that isn't phased, isn't interrupted. It can seem to be kind of in the background when we're, you know, really yes. in some issue or just really have our attention absorbed in something we're doing. But it's never losable. And it is the essence of, of existence. And you begin to feel like this is actually the nature of everything somehow. And we call this the second birth. Second birth awakening. You're still the same person, but you are fundamentally landed embodied consciousness, embodied being, the heart of all existence here in form, in relationship. Yeah, tell, tell me more about that second birth awakening. Um, if you could just like expand on what you just said there, Linda, and maybe contrast it with what might be more traditional types of awakening. Although I think, you know, when I look at all the different traditions, there are di different emphasis and different traditions of, and different types of awakening. Maybe we always have the idea there's always one type of awakening, but yeah. Could you say more about what second birth awakening is? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Ah, oh, wow, there's so much to it. As Samuel beautifully described quite a bit of it before. But 
taking it to real individuals and perhaps even part of my own experience, people say, well, I, I still am going through, you know, this and that, and I still feel really tired. You know, if I'm embodying, shouldn't I feel better? You know, shouldn't I be healing these physical conditions? Not necessarily. In the awakening itself, yes, it's very embodied. But what happens is quite often the, the, the awareness and the feeling energies of this awakeness can excel, accentuate feelings of, oh, something's going on here. And, oh, my, you, your awareness can jump from one place to another quite rapidly, quite often, you know, in order to access certain things in the body. And this is also true in relating to others. You know, the awareness is heightened. And the way that you relate to individuals shifts and changes sometimes with with people and so these are a couple of things that actually are elements of the awakened condition and of course there's an understanding for many of that deeper nature for me i when i first started sitting with samuel i didn't know what consciousness was that was i had heard it you know i heard about awakening and these big terms and i was thinking i have no idea what he's talking about with consciousness I, I literally went to school around that, and I opened my being up to take in the transmission of Samuel and others, friends who were in the process, and I realized after I dropped, if you will, into second birth, that everything shifted in my, my perspectives and my awareness and all along the way, there were subtle shifts and changes, which is really important to bring in, just as I was talking about earlier about joy, how people tend to minimize and negate little moments of feeling good, you know, or smiling or relating with someone. It's similar in the awakening process where there are aha moments all along the way, and I had many, many of them. When the fundamental shift of second birth happens, you really, really know that there is no separation between your personality, ego, body, mind, with all its conditions and faults and foibles, with the absolute existence of consciousness or being or freedom. Or, you know, many people use many different words for accessing that. And once again, that's that simultaneity of embodying and being consciousness, not just realizing it, realizing yourself in the field of consciousness, because some traditions might actually speak in those terms, mm -hmm. but you literally are cellularly that absolute whole being nature of, of being itself. We like to say the heart of all hearts. This is what people realize. Mm. Yeah, and when I began use, I began using that term because that was the feeling sense of it for me. That, yeah. as Linda was saying, my body, mind, personality, with all of its particular strengths and weaknesses, etc., limitations, and all that, still here. 
But that fundamental sense of separateness was gone. Yes, absolutely. And it didn't mean that I was having, you know, like visions of cosmic consciousness. I mean, there, there, was, there were openings to the different dimensions and qualities of energy and light and so on and so forth. But it was so very much here. I remember one, one uh, practitioner I was working with at one point was describing his transition of this kind. And he said, you know, at some point, it just dawned on me, I'm really here. And there is no there. And he didn't mean by that that other people weren't any longer separate from him, but this simultaneity of a great oneness or a sense of, I use the word, onlyness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, there's only this mysterious heart reality, whatever words you want to put on it. And it's not intrinsically in itself different from other language that's been used over the generations and in many traditions. But there, there is a difference also in that sense of no longer feeling like you've got to work on yourself to get to that or to maintain a vigilance so that, you know, you're not allowing yourself to be too attached or too much in aversion. It, 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 there's a, part of the great relief of it when this awakeness reveals itself is that your body-mind life is kind of given permission to be the way it's being. There's a feeling sense of, okay, I'm fine as I am. But that I is also speaking from and as the, the total reality and the, the local ego sense and even the individual spiritually oriented soul are both in some ways porous to this greater nature and more and more. And I know, you know, you've, you've worked along these lines in yourself more and more things come up. You might doubt it. It's not like doubt disappears upon awakening, which is one of the, one of the ways it's awakening has gotten to uh, traditionally where you, you've done so much work on all this previously that you know you you no longer have any sense of doubt. Doubt yeah. can actually be a very strong ally, however, yes. isn't it? Yeah, you know because yeah. it it really does draw your attention to bringing in that broader sense of awareness and placing attention skillfully on all the things that might be happening within your body, your thinking mind, and relationships. And so, yeah. So 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 you you, you in in effect then. You, you're able to allow whatever is going to come up to come up, and it's all being stimulated because when that greater nature is realized, it's a, an extremely potent, we like to say, activator of further transformation, change, integration. So you're, you're living in this oneness onlyness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're enjoying it. You're, you're not feeling like you know, I, I better not allow my thinking mind to go off as it will. You know, I better, you know, restrain my sense of ego identity. You're just here as, in some ways, an ordinary human. Yeah, yeah, that's my experience. And 
what I like about what you're saying is that, um, and I felt I feel this was your invitation as well in that phase of, the, of that you call the rot, which maybe we can also bring mm -hmm. in. But it's like you're actually releasing. It's part. Of, it's part of the releasing of any of those mm -hmm. notions again of what is okay to feel or not feel pre or post awakening. You know, so there's less there's less kind of control or compartmentalization again of your experience. So, oh, you know, I've, I'm awakening, and now I feel doubt. Oh, that's bad. Now, okay, you know, doubt's not spiritual, or that means I'm not awake because I'm doubting it. But it, actually, you can, you know, by by green lighting that doubt. That's a word that you you use in your work. Yes. Um, reveal you know it's 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 like it's the doubt then can have its place in in the process you know and the energy of compartmentalizing it or pushing it away is released and um and there's this you know sense of this process taking over and 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 kind of blossoming you know and so there's a few things in here that i think i i want to make sure we talk about which is I think it's. I think the discourse is changing in in the spiritual world, but the, I certainly grew up this with this sense that once you awake, once you awaken, you know, and this sense of like there's like this, you know, almost like a permanent shift into a a, a purified place where there's never any mm -hmm. any um, negative experience or or, or tension and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who knows if that's true for, you know, extremely enlightened beings. But um, I think it's um, it's healthy now that it seems people are, are talking more about how um, they struggle after awakening. Struggle, you know, <laughs> suffering and struggling can continue after awakening and maybe even intensify for, for phases. And 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 that's not that's not a mean. It doesn't mean you've lost something or it's a bad thing. So. Right. No, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just wanted to bring in the two words, confidence, three words, confidence of being or confidence in being. Yeah. And even through what you're bringing in, Joel, about, about, you know, some of these things that feel in some ways even more intense, perhaps, for some, not everyone, yeah. for some, there's an underlying stability and stable stage realization, as Ken Wilber would talk about in Integral, stable stage realization of this confidence of being where you land even once again the simultaneity and green lighting the hard things you know just allowing them to be which actually brings in back to our original thing joy because when you can really allow yourself to just be all of that even in the difficult difficult stuff the difficult stuff moves through pretty fast because of this landing in the confidence of being, confidence in being, which is completely you. Yeah, there, there, you know, there are some some pieces of one's growth and transformation that can take years post awakening. You know, yeah. Great, great projects. I mean, a, a good example. So many people yearn for a truly fulfilling um, intimate partnership. And that doesn't necessarily 
you know, your awakening doesn't, then here's your partner, you know, <laughs> doesn't quite work that way. I, I just wanted to point to something that happens both before and after. We use that phrase, the sun in your heart, S-U-N, sun in your heart is rising. And we could say this second birth is when it's finally come up over the horizon. Previous to that time, and then more so afterward, there's a lot of both light and heat. So the light is the joy, the elation, the feeling of relief, and so forth, as that's happening, even in the rot process and so on. Uh, and the heat is stuff coming up. So for many people, there is a stage in our work that's analogous to what's called the witness consciousness in some traditions, where that quality of awareness being aware and somehow being aware of itself or self-aware. And, you know, people can have uh, strong moments or, you know, a passage over time where that becomes more and more clear. Uh, but there also then can wind up following upon that. You know, I mean, you, you wake up in the morning, you sit down and meditate for a little while, and you're, you're feeling that awareness, being that. And then you get a call, or a memory comes up of something that happened, say, when, when you were young, a, a trauma. And suddenly you're just into that. And people would have this experience, and they'd come to us or other teachers who initially I had helped awaken, or we both had trained perhaps. They'd come and they'd say, you know, I, I had a great witness awakening, which they knew was, you know, on, on, the, on the path to the fuller embodied awakening. Uh, and, you know, it was so great for like a week. And then, wham, I completely lost it. Well, most traditional approaches and contempt many contemporary ones would say, okay, work on getting that witnessing to be so constantly and continually accessed that it becomes permanent. And, you know, so yeah, you know, deal with your issues however you will, but this is the main item on the agenda. And our approach is, well, guess what? Congratulations. This, this is how the process works. And learning how to be with even those darkest, most painful places in our psyches and our souls. Learning how to be with that, green lighting, even those, is to your advantage. And actually, you need that to happen because this is the way the fuller integration takes place. This is how all your parts come to a fundamental peace or rest sign a peace treaty in the heart together so that all the parts can be included. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, so you're, you're learning to, to trust the process, really, rather than impose, you know, so oh, I lost that witnessing consciousness, yes. therefore now I have to kind of impose this, that back onto my experience. I That's why for me it felt very tantric in that yeah there's not there's not that imposition taking place it's more it's more like riding the wave of 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 being how it un unfolds and expresses itself in this moment which might wow. be which might be different and and there's something very liberating in that 
And, you know, so I, we talked about, I've named that word the rot and we didn't mention it. And I want to make sure we can just talk to you about transmission. So, but just briefly, like when I, what I want to connect to what we're saying to the rot for me was, you know, you invited me into trusting my own process around meditating even, you know? Right. And so what I noticed was there was a phase where I was like, okay, so, I, so, so should I stop meditating or not? Which I think in other schools would be um, completely frowned upon, you know, just do not stop practicing whatever you do and you will get there, you know, where, whereas actually what was so potent for me was allowing, um, you know, allowing myself to feel, and maybe it was the core, the core wound or the heart wound that I allowed myself to feel and become even more, but um, you know, how I was, imposing like meditation as a practice so that I could get to a certain place, you know, it was like propping up that split in a way. And yes. so that to stop meditating allowed for me to, to kind of really land and, and in a, in a kind of self unfolding process and um, yeah, to, to, to kind of almost like fall through into, into the, the awakening process even more deeply and then from from you know and then and then picking up meditation when it felt right again but from a different place and the the learning from that of of like how to meditate even more deeply by trusting that inner sense of guidance and beingness was yeah. also really powerful so yeah i think yeah. that's important to name because i yeah. think for a lot of people there there well i don't want to speak for a lot of people but for me i know it's like Again, it's that subtle imposing, like, oh, I'm not mindful in this moment. Now I should be mindful. So yeah. is this kind of imposition taking place? Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You use the word tantric a couple of times. Yes. What we're meaning, and this definitely is, is yeah. a tantric process, not necessarily, just, you know, so everybody can be clear, not necessarily including sexuality and practices related to that, maybe, maybe not. The deeper, more fundamental Tantra, or, or the, the Tantra that even in those practices is being invoked, you could say, is simply the, the weaving together, or in other words, the recognition of the, the the simultaneous reality of what appear to be mutually exclusive opposites. So stopping meditation, and, you know, thank you for saying so, and having had that experience yourself, is so frowned upon. Like, what are you doing? Of course you got to keep meditating through this. Whereas stopping it and giving yourself permission to be and to be with However you're going to be, and whatever's going to come up when you're not trying to impose a practice on your existence. Now, that doesn't say that our work is not without practices, That's but right. you learn how yeah. to do it, like just like you said, yeah. from a different place. Yeah. You, that, go ahead. Yeah, you brought out of that strong conditioning of perhaps in your case, and I love that you brought in your story. That was great, Joel. Thank you for that. You brought it out of, oh my gosh, 
if I don't meditate, then I'm doing it wrong and bad. And you realize I'm going to try something different. You know, you, you decided in a very organic and natural flow of your being to minimize and then let go of it for a while. And then it comes back naturally if it needs to come back. And it may come back in a different form. And you were speaking to that. And I really appreciate that because that really is a great example of how an individual can brought out of this thinking pattern of if I don't do it this way, then I'm doing it wrong. And that creates a split. And you can't do it wrong. You know, I just like to bring that into people when we work with individuals. I don't say fundamentally you can't do it wrong if you're really being true to yourself true to others using that confidence of being to bring the impulses out that really feel right for you and support others in doing the same how can that be wrong you know so releasing and rotting out of tendencies is really important and i guess i would say um, and, you know, in our case, we worked together and transmission. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I just decided to stop meditating and then that was it, you know, like, no, we were engaged in a, in a relationship and there was, you know, transmission seems to be an important part of your work. And so we don't have too long to talk about this because I want to make sure we um, have space for you to name where we can find out more about your work. But I think it's actually we should have probably not have less left this topic for the to last because I think it's maybe one of the most fundamentally fundamental to the work. Like, but what? Yeah, what do you mean by transmission? Well, thank you. You know, it's it's a loaded word that um, when I say loaded, it, it tends to imply that fundamentally something is being conveyed from one person to another. And yes, that's part of the experiential quality of it, we could say. But this heart transmission, which, you know, it's just, a, I like to say, an undeservable grace, a blessing that we got imbued with this somehow in, in, in the journey through life. Um, it's a 24-7 radiation, you could say, fundamentally of an existential signal. It's, 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 it's giving somehow the, the fact of, of the connection is giving you, your being, the green light to come alive and awake. And, and part of then what helps that transmission activate, so to speak, from within you, from the depths of your heart of hearts, is also that we're able to provide help in your heart exploration. So there are these teachings and practices and so forth. And, you know, what you availed yourself, uh, Joel, of what we feel for people who are, you know, hungry for this or intently interested in it, you know, to work with us personally in a coaching context, whether as an individual couple, perhaps a small group, uh, allows us to be able to listen to you 
learn about you, learn what makes you tick. Feel your transmission. Feel your transmission, yeah. receive your communication on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. And that then uh, empowers us in some ways to respond to you uniquely for you and to be able to see, you know, a third principle says heart transmission, heart exploration, heart evocation is another central part of it, mm -hmm. that we're able to feel and see who you are becoming. We're able to feel and see that you are indeed this one great heart that we all share in its totality. It's not like we're all just sparks of something divine. We're the whole event. And so each person is crystallizing us that. Mm -hmm. And the transmission is central, but it's most effective if it's aided by heart exploration with helpful guidance, coaching, mm -hmm. uh, and heart evocation, where we're talking to how we see you. Yeah. Which isn't only seeing you as the ultimate reality, it's also seeing unique dimensions of your soul nature. Mm, absolutely. So for instance, just quickly, I've I've talked to you on a number of occasions of you know my sense that you have a long history, so to speak, past lifetimes, however you're going to conceive it, there's a depth in you of deep sensitivity to these potentials and of having worked on transcending, you know, uh, not only a lot in this lifetime, but seemingly perhaps many others, you know, a kind of an old soul quality. And, you know, it's different for our, for different people, different, different qualities show up. I like to talk about how everyone is transmitting their condition, you know, transmitting where they are, what is real for them, and all the mutual transmission that happens in this work is equally important as the transmission that Samuel and I have just naturally, as he said, we're not doing anything to you or at you. We're just naturally, organically in our hearts and in, in love, holding you, being with you. And with that confidence, with that relaxation in your whole being, that transmits an energetic, you know, it's just natural. Yeah. And you don't have to force anything. You, my dear, right now are transmitting tremendously to us. And I feel it. Ooh, <laughs> I feel it in my heart. And, you know, so grateful to you for being here and being who you are and what you give to the world. Mm. Very profound and beautiful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm touched, and you know, this reminds me of our calls together, and we, yeah, <laughs> to 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 land inside that mutual transmission is a really fulfilling and affirming and revitalizing and awakening experience. And I think my sense is like people listening to this will really be moved by that because. It is yeah. actually, it is actually something we can bring in in the coaching work we do with others. Yeah. You know, I've got a friend of mine who says, like, you know, um, yeah, one day, like, I'll will, I'll refine myself so that I'm 
doing transformational work without saying a word to the person I'm with, you know? And I, so, and I think in this age of AI, uh-huh. these kinds of faculties and intelligences are actually what's going to be needed and differentiators. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So, uh, so what you point. just said, you know, bravo and big kudos to your friend. Mm. That's what we're looking for. We're looking to help you know, many, many people become what we call hard activators. You know, and that's not a matter of becoming card-carrying, waking down mutuality teachers, which is a name for our work. In fact, we're, as we've talked about with you, we're much more interested in you finding the language that's appropriate for you with the people that's appropriate for the people you're serving, mm-hmm. and that this transmission 24-7 is having an activating, positive, awakening, enlivening impact on people without a word being said. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. And so we we invite everyone, please, <laughs> reach out to us. We have a, a brand new, updated, and um, we feel very strong new website. And it's at SanielAndLinda.com. That's Saniel, as in Daniel, only with an S. Saniel, A-N-D, Linda.com. And there's many things to explore on the site and lots of offerings and amazing testimonials. And thank you, dear Joel, for adding to that page for us on the appreciations page. Um, That's one way to explore a little bit. And there's a free video that we offer when you sign up to our mailing list, which is really a wonderful introduction to joy, maximizing joy. It's it's the, we, we mentioned it earlier. It's called uh-huh. the two kinds of joy and why it's totally okay for you to maximize both. Yeah. And hopefully this whole conversation has really fleshed out why it's totally okay for you to maximize both. Yeah. There's another way to reach out to us, and that is info at SanielAndLinda.com, where anyone can write to us and connect with us in that form as well. I'll also add real quick uh, that there's uh, one of the courses that's available, recorded Evergreen Courses, is called Great Relief Heroes Journey. And it's built around that book that we mentioned earlier that is such a deep exploration of the core wound. And with lots of references to other teachers and teachings, mm-hmm. uh, Eckhart Tolle's Pain Body and Richard Rohr's Bright Sadness. So it's an acknowledgement we're not the only ones who are looking into this stuff. We just happen to have our own particular expression. Yeah, thank you, both of you. So yeah, I just want to offer my blessings to each of you. And uh, uh, to, until next time, yeah. I'm sure we'll be in contact soon. One one quick thing to add to your listeners. We're thrilled that you are doing the coaching work you're doing. Thank you for growing in your unique ways. And should you be interested in exploring the possibility of a coaching uh, format with us, please do get in touch. Yes, we would love that. Very much so. Thank you, Joel. This was great to be with you thank you thanks so much yeah you too you too here we are we're at the end of the podcast just a a heads up again if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about 
other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com. Put your name in the sign-up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well, and I'll see you again next time.